welcome to the Craft Beer Showdown podcast, where information is king, drinking is mandatory, and the beer is always flowing. Now, let's check in with your hosts and see what's on draft in this session. Welcome to the Craft Beer Showdown podcast, session number 18. In this session, I sit down with Steve Sloan from Roundabout Brewing in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Until recently, Steve was actually a head brewer, uh, brewmaster, at Church Brew Works in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. If you're familiar with the Great American Beer Fest, you probably recognize the Church Brew Works, since they took home a pretty large number of medals this uh, past year. The church itself won a medal for the Large Brew Pub of the Year, and with that, Steve also won the Large Brew Pub Brewer of the Year. A few of the beers also won some medals, including their Celestial Gold, uh, Pipe Organ Pale Ale, and the Pious Monk Dunkel. Uh, All total, those were two gold medals, a silver and a bronze. Uh, I say this not so much to talk about the Church Brewworks, but to show how good of a brewer Steve Sloan really is. Until recently, Steve was the head brewmaster at the Church Brewworks until they decided to part ways with one another. It was this parting of ways that gave birth to Roundabout Brewing. A nice small brewery with a focus on quality, Roundabout Brewing is making big waves in the Pittsburgh area as their beer is slowly becoming more and more available. Uh, I got this chance to sit down with Steve, try some of his higher PA, uh, double IPA, uh, amazing beer, and you know talk about where he came from, where he's going, and all of the other breweries that he's worked for. Uh, to really see where he's gotten his experience and what makes him such a good brewer. So sit back, relax, and let's talk to Steve. Hi everyone, welcome to the Craft Beer Showdown podcast. I'm here at Roundabout Brewing with Steve Sloan of Roundabout Brewing. Hi Steve. Howdy. I'm here to just kind of talk about uh, one of the newest newest. Full brewery in Pittsburgh. No, Hot Farm opened. Um, oh, okay. About seven weeks ago, so they were a couple months behind us, I guess. So we're not quite the newest. Well, one one of the newest. So that's good to hear. Um, but being one of the newer breweries, I would say you're probably one of the most experienced brewers in the city, or at least in the top few. Yeah, it seems like that. Huh. Um, yeah, I mean, man up the road is a little bit of experience. I know we <laughs> did an internship at Iron Iron Hill, but yeah, I mean, I've been in the industry for 17 years or so. Too long, I suppose, but... And you've been, uh, this is your, is this your second Pittsburgh brewery? Uh, it's actually the third. Oh. Uh, I was at John Harvard's, then at the church, and <laughs> then um, actually helped Rivertown out a little bit when I was getting this place up and running. So, oh, really? Well, they were helping me out, and I was helping them out a little bit, the production facility. So. Oh, nice. So I guess somewhat the fourth, maybe? Yeah. <laughs> so I first knew about you because of your previous um, brewing job um, and just you know the amazingness that you did there. So thank you for that. Yeah. I mean, we, we put a lot of effort into it, too, for sure. I mean, it was... A, team effort everyone worked hard and bought into changes and it was good a lot of effort but it was rewarding 
why it lasted. Yeah. But it's good It's good to uh, be doing our own thing, for sure. Yeah, and that's, I mean, you know, one thing might lead to another, but the, the plus side is, at least from seeing things here, you're doing, you know, pretty darn well for, for being, how long have you been in uh, open for business? It's been about four months. <coughs> oh, wow, just four months. Yeah, we opened July 12th, so. Oh, wow. That's right, about four months. So. Yeah, for just selling growlers, it's been yeah, it's, good. And especially for seeing you, it, at least the, the buzz about you guys and seeing you in as many, you know, being talked about in as many places and the, the amount of festivals and things like that for four months is, it's pretty good. No, the press has been good and the response has been good, so I just hope we can uh, live up to expectations. <laughs> So, uh, in those four months, uh, you said you're doing mostly growlers right now. Yeah, we're basically doing all growlers. We really haven't. We've done a few festivals and that sort of thing, but that's beer dinner, but that's really the only other other beer that's left the brewery here. Oh, okay. So, you haven't really been kegging for any bars yet? No. I mean, we don't have the beer, and then... Uh, I don't know. It's not really in the business plan. We'll do a little bit of it once we... Um, we plan on opening a little pub here and sell pints. Oh, okay. Is what we the kind of the next step. Um, but yeah, we'll do a little bit of that. But the you know the kind of business plan is sell as much on premise as we can, mm-hmm. keep it fresh, keep it local. So yeah. Well, that tasting room looks definitely big enough and nice enough to to really grow into you know an actual mini brew pub or actual decent sized brew pub. Yeah, it'll be more. You know, I hate to say brew pub. We're not going to have a the more brew kitchen, <laughs> yes, and it's you know it'll be small, fifteen twenty seats, that sort yeah. of thing. But it'll be good, cozy. There's not really here in um, Lawrenceville kind of that pub type atmosphere. I mean, you have Pipers on the south side. And yeah. So yeah, that's what we kind of want to be—a little English New Zealand little pub thing. Yeah. It seems like that would be the really only one, the only brewery doing that, at least around us. Yeah, I know Scott Smith is working on being able to sell pints. So mm-hmm. I guess we'll see who uh, who wins this race. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you mentioned uh, not having enough beer. Uh, you know, like I I, we, I joked with you a little bit ago. You know, it's the the quality of the problems, not the amount of them. Um, you know, even with that quality problem, uh, do you have any plans to kind of grow the brewery a little bit more to get more uh, more space in in the near future or yeah, we do. I mean, especially once we open the pub, no doubt we'll sell more beer. Um, so, I mean, we just have to buy. The fermenters are our, you know, bottleneck, <laughs> pun intended. But, um, so yeah, once we get another fermenter to in here, then then we'll be fine. So, you know, we mentioned the, the other few uh, Pittsburgh breweries that you were a part of. Uh, I know you said 17 years of history. What... What kind of kept you busy before Pittsburgh? Uh, you know, <laughs> I've worked at too many breweries. I mean, I've done a little bit bit of everything. You know, I was quality manager at Schlafly in St. Louis. They've done well since I've left. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I actually worked at Coors for a little while, so just worked in the lab there. We were in Pittsburgh, you know, worked for John Harvard's. That went out of business, so we actually moved out to California for a few years, which was great. Um, worked at Lost Coast there as uh, brew house manager. 
and then I actually went to undergrad with Matt Brendelson, who's the brewmaster at uh, Firestone Walker. So, okay, moved down there, got a job there, um, basically just production brewer, but it was great. I mean, they they do an amazing job, and you you learn what it takes to really make world class beer. You know, they do everything right. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, and even when you said you did some stuff for Coors, um, you know, they people knock big beer a lot. But the people that brew it are probably the some of the best at what they do to make a beer consistently taste the same across how many different breweries and ingredients and just, you know, I might not like those companies or like their beer, but I give a lot of credit to the people actually doing the work. Yeah, for sure. I mean, their quality control programs are amazing. And uh, I think we craft breweries have a thing or two to learn for sure. I mean... You know, one of the, one of our um, hesitations to you know sell beer off premises. You know, we've had a lot of bad craft beer, and you know, you have bad non-craft beer as well, imports and everything. But people are paying premium prices these days. So when you're paying six dollars a pint, it better be you know basically what the brewery expected it to be. And a lot of times, I don't think it is. I think yeah. no, I, I could agree with that. And I think that in growing beer industries like Pittsburgh is, getting all of the bars to have proper lines and storage and serving and all those things, you know, all those things together to make the beer taste correct, it's near impossible. You know, I think in other cities that have maybe a longer beer culture, they have kind of learned, you know, the, the bars with the bad lines and right. the improper storage and serving tend to kind of, you know, go the way of the buffalo for the better ones that know right. what they're doing but sure people don't know better yet so, yeah i mean that's one thing we'd like to do here is you know educate people eventually we'll give tours at our hokey little brewery and <laughs> uh part of that we'll probably be doing you know some palette or um you know tasting panels and that sort of thing so mm -hmm. education on what you know good beer tastes like and what not so good beer tastes like you know yeah uh, so what kind of, uh, so equipment-wise, you, you said fermenters are your bottleneck. What what kind of equipment are you working with right now? Yeah, um, we just need to get open as soon as possible. Otherwise, we weren't going to open. So <laughs> um, time was of the essence, for sure. Um, so unfortunately, a lot of the used, or fortunately, unfortunately, a lot of the used equipment out there is almost as expensive as the new stuff mm -hmm. just because there are so many breweries opening in such high demand. Um, so we decided just to go with some converted dairy equipment, which works fine. It's a lot of work. Um, a bit more attention has to be paid, but I, th I think the beers have been good so far. Um, so yeah, the brew house is two used dairy tanks, and we have one open fermenter, which is a used dairy tank as well. And then uh, the other fermenter is a unitank, which you see at breweries more often. But, mm -hmm. but yeah, I mean, I've really, the, the open fermenter's fun, though. I mean, it's mm -hmm. a little bit more challenging now yeah. that it's cold out here. But, um, yeah. Um, but, yeah, we try to keep a Belgian on or a vice beer all the time. And those beers do really well in there. They mm -hmm. ferment quickly and clean and attenuate well. What seems like the, more and more I'm seeing the used dairy equipment going in places uh the local uh rum that just opened with tim seems to be really relying on the uh the dairy equipment to 
to get up and go. Uh, and I mean, I guess it really makes sense. It's very similar, just different, you know, <laughs> different finished product. Yeah, I mean, it's still stainless steel. Yeah, his is glycol jacketed, as is mine. So I still have temperature control. It's mm-hmm. like we're doing things willy nilly here. Um, but I mean, a lot of the breweries back, I think, in the early '80s or so, used deer equipment because yeah. there were no small brewery equipment manufacturers out mm-hmm. there. I mean, now the problem is. Uh, even if you can afford to buy new, you know, you're, there's a long wait, and then used is darn near as much as new. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, this is kind of how the craft beer movement started, and I guess we're going that way again a little bit. Just, but which is good. I mean, I, I think it is kind of a, you know, do-it-yourself type industry, and it makes you think a little bit more and. Yeah, and I think that's something that's lost a lot in a lot of the startup breweries anymore is they, it seems to be thought of that you just need to get a lot of loans and Kickstarter money and go buy a brew house full of equipment and then figure out how to make your beer. And not against anybody that, you know, does a Kickstarter or takes, you know, a lot of loans or anything like that, but it seems like you lose something if you don't start with if you don't start on a smaller scale to learn what you're doing and to you know not even learn what you're doing but learn how the beer works and how your brewery is going to work before you do more with it yeah no i mean we decided not to go that route um we just kind of wanted to do everything ourselves i suppose so we basically finance things ourselves and this is the way that we had to do that so um but yeah i mean having nice equipment doesn't mean you're going to make new beer yeah and it could help for sure i <laughs> eventually hopefully we can uh grow into a few new nicer things but um but it's fun you know mm-hmm. so beer wise uh what what are kind of this do you have a set of standard beers that you keep on all the time well, we have been rotating a lot just because the batches are fairly small and um, you know demand is fairly high. But we try to have on a hoppy beer, which is usually the high PA, which is kind of a session IPA hybrid between a pale and an IPA, whatever that means. <laughs> um, but it's also a blend of um, New Zealand and U.S. hops. Okay. So six percent alcohol, forty something IBUs. So, but a lot of you know hop aroma and flavor versus pure bitterness mm-hmm. and then we also have been rotating that with a higher pa which is a bit more alcohol about seven and a half and then a bit more bitterness even though it has more body so i'm not sure if the perceived bitterness is more um, and then a different blend of u.s and new zealand hop citra and and uh, new zealand pacific gem where those hops are actually traded more or less donated mm-hmm. from a uh, brant duovic the former Head brewer at the Church Brew House, who's now at um, Dry Hop Brewers in Chicago, doing quite well. Oh, um, I did not know that. I traded him some hops, but he basically <laughs> gave them to me. I mean, the trade was not was not an equal trade by any stretch. Yeah, I was but, actually going to ask about that because, from what I understood, it's been getting increasingly hard to get New Zealand hops lately. Yeah, for sure. I mean, fortunately, we're smaller, so trades and here and there and even if we have to buy them in one pound quantities mm-hmm. we can we prefer not to 
Um, but yeah, it hasn't been easy. I mean, Nelson Slavin is the big New Zealand hop, which yeah. is highly sought after, and for good reason. I mean, it is it is quite nice and different. But we we got some of it, so we're going to start releasing some beers with that. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, so we always try to have something hoppy on. We always try to have a Belgian or a vice beer on, again, with the open fermenter. Um, right now we have the fertile vice on, kind of samber vice beer, and then this week we're brewing a, basically a dark dark Belgian, you know, Christmas holiday thing, I guess I should say. And, um, and a dark beer, and we had the jacked up oval lantern was a coffee stout with pumpkin pie spices and now we have a milk stout which was seems pretty appropriate <laughs> given all of our equipment's dairy so it seems so. to make sense uh yeah right now we're just trying to have you know roughly four be four or five beers on tap but okay. we can get this pub open hopefully we can have more five mm -hmm. well, closer to eight hopefully um, but yeah we, we've been rotating but diana my um, wife slash partner does a good job keeping the website mm -hmm. um, up to date and what beers we have on currently. Now, uh, the one thing I, I saw that you guys do that I really don't see anyone else doing, and I think I just I love is the mini growlers. The, what do you call them? The rounds. Yeah, we call them rounds. The company that we buy them from called Boston Rounds, but <laughs> of course we quickly dropped that Boston thing. I think that's, speaking from a guy whose wife doesn't like most of the beers that I like, the Half Growler is a great idea. It's so much nicer to be able to take two of those home than one big one that either I don't like or she doesn't like. So, thank you. Yeah, no, it's been great. I mean, I thought they'd go over okay, but they've been... Um quite popular really i mean they're not quite the same sales as our full-size growlers but not too far behind i mean it, it, we did it just because we thought it would be better for the beer i mean if someone mm -hmm. you know uh, growlers are you know filled <laughs> with a tube out of a draft system you know it's best to be consumed as quickly as possible yeah. so it's really best for beer quality and but but it's good for variety too and then once we get some higher alcohol things on, it'll be good for that as well. Mm -hmm. But yeah, they've been popular. I also feel better when I just drink straight from the half growlers than the whole growler. <laughs> yeah, they are. Uh, you can drink from those directly. Which is yeah, I don't feel not. too bad getting you know putting back four or two pints in a night versus four. Um, so yeah, it's it's surprising. I don't really see anyone else doing those, even though it's not. There's nothing wildly unique about them. No, I, I know um, Shoe Brew and Zealand Opal, my wife tells me, she kind of keeps track of this stuff more <laughs> so than myself. Um, but that they have the little round type thing as well. I don't know if they're calling it. I've heard Growlette and that sort of thing. But <laughs> um, but that those were the only growlers they were doing initially. I don't know if that changed oh, okay. just because they have a bit smaller system. And, yeah. Um, but other than that, I don't know who else is doing it. I mean, I don't think we're losing money selling them. Maybe we are. But I don't know. It, it's definitely better for the beer and better for the customer in general. So, No, uh, totally. So, you know, the going back to the, the rounds, you know, fits well with the name. Uh, where did the name Roundabout Brewing come from? Yeah, um... 
few things. I mean, we were in Pittsburgh, worked at you know a few places here, left, then came back, so that seemed to make sense. I mean, we have a slight New Zealand theme. My wife's a New Zealander. Oh, okay. A lot of roundabouts in New Zealand, so I mean, you'll notice the arrows go the opposite way as they would here. I never in the U.S., that. but yeah, <laughs> they go the you know English New Zealand direction. And roundabouts are great, by the way. I don't think I've ever stopped once in New Zealand the entire time I was driving, other than if there was a bar or something nearby. <laughs> um, so yeah, and I, you know I've worked at a good dozen breweries and just kind of chasing my tail. So huh. seemed to make sense. So I, I know uh, back to some of your brewing history. Um, I know at some other breweries that might remain nameless for right now, uh, you happen to win a couple of medals. Uh, is there any plans on you entering any of the larger competitions, Great American Beer Fest, anything like that in the, the near future for Roundabout? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it, perhaps. we we. I guess we'll have to talk about it, but. It was easy then, you know, when you're spending someone else's money, but <laughs> it is pretty expensive to do the whole thing. Oh, really? Just with the hotel and the... Well, not the even going out there, entry, you know, it's a few hundred dollars a beer, not to mention if you're going to ship it correctly, oh, it costs a lot of money. We just so, buy the seat on the plane, right? Just walk well, the next year? <laughs> in the old days, unfortunately, you can't bring it on these days, but uh, but yeah, I, mean, I don't know. I, mean, I have mixed feelings about those type of competitions mm -hmm. um, I shouldn't because we did well at at the church and we went full in then but I don't know it's, I don't know to be honest with you we, <laughs> I have mixed feelings yeah. perhaps <laughs> personally I don't put an enormous amount of you know I, I I don't rely on what somebody does at competition to see whether I like their beer or not I think it's so extremely subjective, even down to the, the judges judging your beer, what time of the day your beer gets to them, you know, what, what they get from it. So I think it's cool and interesting to see, and I love seeing local breweries win them, but I don't think I've ever gone to one bar or brewery over another because they had a medal. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, I... I've had a lot of, been to a few places that prior to them winning many, I mean, I guess an after as well, and, <laughs> and the beer just was not good. I mean, yeah, you, of course, you can make a good beer every now and then, and then, mm -hmm. then it wins something, but yeah, I mean, that that's definitely our focus. We kind of want to make beer well all the time mm -hmm. and yeah. keep it fresh and keep our customers happy here, I mean. But I'm not opposed to it, but yeah, it has to be, you know, we get some help in here. It is money and time. It takes mm -hmm. a lot of time as well. So. Well, I guess to kind of wrap things up, uh, the last thing I was really interested in, and I'm sure other people are for somebody that's been brewing for 17 years, is what what got you started brewing? Like what was what was the thing that made you say, you know what, I want to make a beer? Yeah, I mean, I've always, you know, I went to undergrad in Kalamazoo where um, Bell's Brewery was. Actually, Larry Bell is a um, Kalamazoo college. He didn't graduate from there, 
I wish I wouldn't have either. I'd probably be doing a lot better <laughs> now had I just opened a brewery 20 years ago. But um, so, yeah, I just, you know, initially started tasting better beers back then at undergrad, having bells right around the quarter help for sure. And then spent a few summers um, in Germany. So obviously there's a lot of good beer there. But yeah, I mean, I graduated from a graduate school and didn't really know what I wanted to do. Went out to Hawaii, where I had a friend that was teaching and, and coaching, and I thought I'd try the same. But uh, the coaching thing was all right, but the kids hate me a lot <laughs> teaching. And I'd started doing a little bit of home brewing in um, graduate school, and then ended up meeting the uh, head brewer or brewmaster for Kona Brewing Company. And he was looking for something, and I was looking for he was looking for someone and I was looking for something and uh yeah from from day one it just seemed to fit I mean mm -hmm. I can still use my science background but I'm not stuck in a lab all day which is nice um yeah. but yeah it certainly has not been uh <laughs> the most um profitable field to be in but yeah I, I couldn't imagine doing anything else I mean I love love the people it's nice obviously producing something that that you can consume and people seem to enjoy. Yeah, and I, I would say honestly that seems to be the running theme with everybody that I talk to in the beer industry. I mean, even myself that you know coming out and doing a podcast, having a website, and not really make any money at that. So right. I, I find that in the beer industry, it seems like people tend to do it more for liking it than for the pay. And hopefully the page is kind of finds its way to you at some point if, if you stick with it long enough. Um, but yeah, I think that's why what's attracted me to the whole beer industry as a whole is that exact feeling is you can tell nobody's there because they're making a fortune. Yeah, you don't get into it for that, you know, if you, if you hope to make a living and that sort of thing, but... No, I mean, just like a lot of, you know, small food producers and that sort of thing. I mean, there's nothing more uplifting than a good meal and quality product. So. Well, I'm just about done with my higher, I, or higher PA. Higher PA. Higher yeah. PA. Uh, which Some is, people call the hyper PA, which yeah. is maybe, I don't know. <laughs> just to make things more confusing, maybe that'll have to be our double IPA, the hyper. Exactly. <laughs> But uh, no, this is a, an awesome beer. Very, very happy with it, like you said. Um, I, I noticed the little bit higher IBUs listed on it. It really doesn't taste that way. It's not really, you know, biting on the tongue or like, you know, I, most, most of the way down a pint and I haven't gotten the whole tongue fatigue, like just tired of drinking it kind of feeling you get from some. Uh, awesome beer. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, working at Firestone Walker, and obviously they make some of the better hoppy beers in the country for sure. Helped uh, what we do, but yeah, we go for the same sort of thing. You know, a lot of hops at the end versus uh, up front where you can get a lot of bitterness and yeah. astringency. So. Well, I said, that's about everything I had. Um, thanks for taking time out of brewing and getting ready to brew to talk to me today. Yeah, thanks for coming out. And uh, thanks for listening. Cheers.
Thanks for listening to the Craft Beer Showdown podcast. Make sure to check out craftbeeracademy.com for more information and to give feedback on today's show. Don't forget to watch the next episode live on Google Plus Hangouts or YouTube by going to craftbeeracademy.com slash live dash show.